Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Well, I'm excited about this morning. I hope you're excited as well. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. We're going to be talking about an incredible topic called um, the end of time or the end of days today. And in fact, I've titled today's message, He's Coming Back. How many of you know that Jesus is returning for his church? Amen. And his church is referred to as the bride of Christ. And so how many of you know that's going to be a great day of celebration? So good. Many things are happening in our world today, and, and a lot of people are, are paying attention to those happenings. We've got all kinds of trouble in Israel, and uh, we have, we have uh, wars against Russia and Ukraine. And it's amazing to me how many conversations I've had, you know, regarding the end times, uh, regarding the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel. And, um, and I've even had some people that have sent me emails and things as such saying, hey, listen, we need to talk about this. And, and once again, I appreciate that. And while it may have taken some time to get here, somebody say, we're here. We're here. And um, so I am listening. But I also want you to know that I try to listen to the Holy Spirit more than I listen to anybody else. And so, so um, how many of you know that we're not a knee-jerk reaction church? If you're expecting or you're used to a knee-jerk reacting church, you're probably at the wrong church. And there's many good churches out there that, that, um, that, that are just on point with whatever's happening in the world. But we really do try to be spirit-led because we're a spirit-led, spirit-filled church. And so um, we're going to be talking about this exciting topic here today. This is part of a series called Unveiling Faith. And what we're doing is we're pulling back the curtain to what real faith looks like, what real faith looks like. And so I think it's interesting um, if you scroll through uh, YouTube or whatever your platform is and, and you do a search on um, end times prophecy or, or you know, other sermons that are preached, uh, being preached right now um, on the end of days, um, what you're going to find is many of the, the angles and the slants that are being used are really fear-based and fear-stricken. You know, oh my gosh, you know, can you believe what's happening in the, in the world today? And you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and there's an element of fear. How many of you were raised in a church where you didn't know from week to week if you were going to be saved or not? I believe there's probably more of you than what raised your hand. How many of you were told that you, the worst place that you wanted to be when Jesus returned was the movie house? And, 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 uh, and, and, I, and I feel like, you know, some of the methods that were used in the past were really to scare people into lining up. And, and I'm saying, you know, we, we're in a completely different space and place today. Now nobody has any fear. And fear is a good thing whenever it becomes to, you know, when it comes to the, the, the aspect of the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, right? But God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power. And a faith in a sound mind, right? 
And so I'm telling you this, that, that this idea of Jesus coming back is not a horror story. It's a love story. Come on, he's coming back for his church. And some of you are probably tied up in knots and you're wondering, oh my gosh, where are we? And like, listen, can I tell you this? It's going to be a wonderful thing when Jesus comes back. It's not going to be something that should be, oh, I don't want him to come back yet because I want to, you know, I mean, I want to get married and God bless being married or I want to graduate, I want to graduate college or I want to get a new job and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with all of those things, but I can promise you this, that if Jesus came back and took you, come on to heaven, you would not be begging to go back to the earth and finish college and you wouldn't be worried about getting married. Like I'm telling you that, that, that sometimes because what we don't know, what we don't know can be a, an element that strikes fear in our hearts. And I just want you to know that what is in front of you is better than what you're currently experiencing as good as it might be. Can I get a good amen there? I do believe that, the, that we are close to Jesus's return. I fully believe that and that excites me. It doesn't make me fearful at all. And I wanna pray for you if you're afraid of his return. You know, there's really only one reason why a person would be afraid of Jesus's return and that is if they are not found in him. And we pray for you if that is you anyways. Like if you don't know if you're saved, like that's your biggest concern. You need to know that you are blood-bought, born again. Come on, saved by the cross of Jesus Christ, what was done on Calvary. And I can tell you this, you don't have to, you don't have to worry from week to week whether you're saved or not. You can know you're absolutely saved because my God is not fickle. Amen. My God is not confused. I was talking to Rick Tundag just before the service and he was saying, man, it just continues to blow my mind how, how Jesus is hanging on a cross, getting ready to breathe some of his last breaths. And there's a thief that says, remember me when you come into paradise. And he says, sure thing. Never went to Bible college, never, never led any aspect of his life in a way that would be pleasing to the Lord, probably never converted, never was used to reach any, anybody that was lost, didn't know really anything or too much about the good news, but yet Jesus was like, this day you will be with me in paradise. How many of you know that God is just waiting for people, come on, to respond to the gift that he has given to all of us? Amen. And he's not looking, come on, to give you a gift and be quick to take it back and to, and to give it to somebody else. You know, there are, there are things that we need to consider, but I want you to know, like, he gave you a gift that he wants you to have. So we are close to his return. John chapter 14 and verse 1 says this, and this is Jesus speaking, so pay attention. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Why would he say that? Because you're on the winning side. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to his bride. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you and I'm going to take you so that you can be with me where I am. Amen. How many of you know that that's God's plan? 
How many of you know when he ascended into heaven, his plan was to go to prepare a place for us so that he could come back, receive us and take us where he is so that we could be with him through all, all eternity. Amen. How many of you know that's a good thing? Don't let this garbage of fear and, 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 oh, oh my goodness, you know, can you believe? Come on. The Bible challenges us not to be lovers of this world. How many of you know this world is not your home? Now, how many of you really know that this world is not your home? Then stop acting like this world is your home. Amen. It's a good world. It's a good time that we're here. We're on point for a purpose. There's, there's, there's business that we're supposed to be about, but come on, you are a stranger and you know that. And I know that we're strange people, but we're passing through this world. See, I think it's interesting that the majority of Jesus's mission was not to work out things here on this earth. The majority of his mission and his focus is in all time and eternity. It's in heaven with him. Like that is the end goal. We want everything to be perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like right now, but I'm telling you this, that perfection and, and total peace and clarity. The Bible says that right now we see him dimly. Then we're going to see him clearly. His whole goal is for us. Come on to be with him in heaven. Somebody say that sounds like a rescue mission. It is a rescue mission. He's going to rescue you. Come on from this world, which is mediocre at best, right? And he's going to rescue us and he's going to take us, come on into the promised land or paradise. Come on. There's so many parallels, old Testament, come on to heaven. And that's what he wants to do is take us back to the garden of Eden. And so the title, he's coming back, just know he's coming back. And we're going to look at Jesus's end time teaching. We're not going to look at all these other people that are predicting the future and things like that. Let's go to the source. This is Jesus's end time teaching. Matthew chapter 24 and verse three, it says this, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said, tell us what will be the sign of your coming? Like how many of you know, they wanted signs. People are looking for signs today. Signs are important because they'll tell you the season. They said, tell us what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. How many of those? There's a lot of people that are going to try to deceive you. And then he begins to give the signs so that you will not be deceived. He says this, many will come in my name, claiming to be the Messiah. How many of you hear from time to time that there's somebody, you know, down in Brazil or somebody in Mexico or somebody over in the Ukraine or somebody here that is, that is saying, listen, I am the Messiah. And what's crazy is there's a bunch of people that are following. They're rushing to these places and giving money and things like that. And so how many of you know that that's fulfilled already? How many of you know it's going to continue to be fulfilled? Claiming I am the Messiah and the, I am the Messiah and those people will deceive many. And then you also hear of wars and rumors of wars. How many of you know that we have, this has been fulfilled, not just because there's a war in Israel right now. Not just because there's a war in Russia and Ukraine, but how many of you know that this has been fulfilled and it's being fulfilled and it's been fulfilled for a long period of time, 
right? A prophetic promise that has already been fulfilled and is continuing to be fulfilled because it says wars, which are multiple and then rumors of wars. And then what does it say? This is so key and it just, it's just amazing to me. It says, don't be alarmed, but everybody's alarmed. I think it's the reason why so many people are interested in having this end time conversation is because they're alarmed. Oh my God, is Jesus coming back? Am I ready? Like the idea, let me give you the end result or the end ideas. Like, listen, whether he's coming back or not, why don't you just surrender and live for him? You know what I'm saying? Why are you going to wait until things go south until you're really in with two feet? Because he's coming back and we're closer than we've ever been to his return. And I fully believe that it's possible that he comes back during my lifetime. I think it's possible. I'm not saying it is going to happen, but I could, sure, I could sure see that happen. There's some things that need to take place. But am I worried about it? No. Why? Because I am in Christ Jesus. And if you're worried about it, you've got a bigger issue than any war that we've got going on. Come on, you're alarmed, maybe because you're not in right relationship, come on, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we can, we can handle that. Like, that's a wonderful thing if the Lord is revealing that, hey, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's, there, 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 there's more in this area of relationship that I want with you. So it says, don't be alarmed. He says this, such things must happen. You know, not that they're going to happen outside of his control. He wishes they didn't happen. He says they have to happen. These things have to happen. But the end is still to come. See, this is just the beginning of the end, not the end end. So whenever you hear these prophetic words that he's talking about here, it's not the end. It's just the beginning of the end. There's more end to come. Right? Do you get that? So like, like he's not going to just come back tomorrow. And so it goes on. Nation will rise against nation. Boy, we've been seeing that for a long time, haven't we? Somebody say fulfilled. Kingdom against kingdom. Once again, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Boy, has that happened? You better believe it. All over the world, right? Happening all over the world. Uh, these th it's happening in various places. And then it says this. This is just the beginning of the birth pains. So I think it's interesting. He's talking about end times or the end of days. And he is, he is giving the example of a woman, come on, that has become pregnant. And is, has gone almost full term. But now she's having birth pains. And so the, 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 the key is this, that unless, of course, you've gotten a lot of people do this, which is kind of strange to me, but hey, it's just, it, there's a lot of reasons as to why they do that. But back in the day, they never had like scheduled C-sections. And that's really about the only way that you're going to know when your baby is born. Like you can have an idea. It's like, boy, we're getting close. And sometimes it happens early. And sometimes you go later than term. It's like you have an idea because you're nine months pregnant and you're way out to here. You know what I'm saying? And you're just like, ooh, it's coming. It's coming real soon. But you don't know the day or the hour by which it's going to come when you're in a natural birth situation. Right? I've got three kids, I promise you. I, I never predicted the day, certainly not the hour on which they were born. And so, and so some of you all have a lot of kids and sometimes it's not necessarily just because you like kids, you just like your wife. 
<laughs> well, there's another one. <laughs> uh, how many of you love your wives? Amen. All right. All right. I'm not alone. Okay, here we go. All right. So you can tell when you're getting close. Matthew 24 and 36 says this. No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels nor the son. Jesus doesn't even know. Only the father. So anyone is predicting that, that hey, this is going to happen at this time. Don't listen to it, that garbage. Some of our problem in the world today is people are listening to everything else except the Holy Spirit. 1988, there was a book written, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Going to Return in 1988. Did he come back in 1988? The guy probably sold millions of dollars worth of books. You would think that people were smart, but he came out and he said, oh, we missed it by a year. 89 reasons why, people, why Jesus is going to come back in 1989. And probably sold millions of dollars of books again in 89. And so, come on, people are so into, oh my gosh, he's coming back. He's going, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are you ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? And I'm not saying because the Bible tells us to be ready, but you should be ready regardless of when it is that he comes back is what I'm saying. And I don't know why we get this knee-jerk reaction when we see certain things happening in the world. I would love to listen to conversations come on that take place in small groups. I, I'm just guessing that some of those conversations about the only time that you hear faith being released in the atmosphere is at the end after everybody's gotten all stirred up. It's like, well, you know what? We're just going to believe in Jesus. It's the very last thing that's said, but it's not the priority thing that's been talked about. There's two major signs above many signs that are going to happen in, 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 in light or in view of Jesus returning. Number one, there's going to be an increase of wickedness. I want you to know that the bad that we see today, it's going to get worse. I've been preaching this for at least the last 10 years that you better make ready because the best days are behind us. Things are going to get worse as a believer, as a Christian. This is something I have been speaking on for years and years and years and years and years and years that you better Come on, there's not going to be any space or a place, come on, for people to ride the fence in the middle. You're either going to be with him or you're going to be against him. And so it's going to continue to get worse. I'm telling you again, things are not going to return to whatever normal was your normal. It's going to continue. Wickedness is going to continue to increase. Matthew 24 and 9 says this. You will be handed over and persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations. Why? Because of me. This is Jesus speaking. See, and I don't know if we're ready for this, but this is what I want you to know. I'm, I'm dead set on making sure that Grace Church is ready for whatever it is that's ahead of us. We're going to be a church that remains spirit-filled, spirit-led. 
We're going to be a church that, that, that continues to preach the gospel regardless of what it is that culture is saying needs to be taught. When If every other church on the planet embraced what the world is, is, is pushing, Grace Church is not going to be that church. I, I don't, I just, I don't care. It's not going to be a church that slides on the mandates and the word, the truth of God. And so, so we're going to stand for truth regardless of what happens, regardless of the ramifications, regardless of, of, of who gets upset because the truth is what people need. They don't need, they don't need a watered down Gospel. They don't need a washed out gospel that has no power. Goes on to say, at that time, many are going to turn away from the faith and they will betray each other. We're already seeing this happen today. A message gets spoken. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? We plant our flag and we say, this is what we believe in. And there are people every single time, every time, not just sometimes, there are people every single time the hard things are talked about. They leave the church and they go find another church that isn't going to take such a strong and direct stand on the truth. And we try and we attempt and we do our best to, to share what we share, not to hurt people, not to offend people. However, people are going to be offended because the word of God is offensive, but we try to do whatever it is that we do in love and we share with people like, listen, we understand humanity. I got my own junk I got to deal with. I hope you have some compassion for me when I'm dealing with my stuff. I understand you have stuff. None of us are perfect. All of us have issues, right? We have to do what we do in compassion. But my goodness, we're not going to, we're not going to deconstruct the truth. We're not going to disassemble the truth. We're not going to say, listen, because of the day and the age that we live in, we're just not going to talk about that subject because it might hurt somebody's feelings. Well, guess what? It just might save somebody too. It just might draw somebody out, come on, of the, of the deep sin that they're entrenched in. So many will turn away from the faith and betray each other. We see that now. Uh, many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. This is the deconstruction of scripture. It's happening now because of the increased wickedness. There it is. There's going to be an increase of wickedness. It says the love of some. No, it doesn't say that. The love of a few. No, it doesn't say that. This is a scary word right here. It's a word that they chose to use. The love of most. The love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And so the apostle Paul also talks about the end times to his understudy Timothy. And this is found in second Timothy chapter three and verse one, it says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Do you know this, that the very word terrible is the same word that is used about the demoniac in Gera or the Gadara or the Gadarenes. And so he was a, a, a demoniac. He was demon possessed. Come on. This is the same word. The same word terrible is the same word used. And it says this. So there's going to be demonic times in the end of days. 
People will be lovers of themselves. Is that happening today? Do people love themselves? Would selfies even be a thing if they didn't love themselves as much? You know what I mean? Poor Instagram. What would happen? You know, it would be out of business. Lovers of money. Are people loving money? Right? Are they boastful? Are they proud? Are they abusive? You better believe it. Disobedient to their parents. Boy, does that happen today? Does it happen today? Any teachers in the house? Any, 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 anybody see how kids today are, are treating authority? And is this happening? Is this, is this taking place in our day and time? More so than any other time that you've ever known in history? Is it worse today than when you were a kid? Would anybody disagree with that, that it's better? Would anybody say that it's better today than when you were a kid? Okay, good. That's you, you're preaching to yourself. What I'm saying is confirmed by your, by your confirmation. That's really good, Travis, that's really good. It's confirmed by your confirmation. Hang with me, we'll get there. Ungrateful, is that happening? Unholy, without love, unforgiving. A couple weeks ago, talked about the, the, the importance of forgiveness. Blows my mind how many people are in the church, been forgiven by God. We look at the story where the guy was forgiven this incredible debt only to put his, his hands, come on, on the next guy that owed him a fraction of what he was just forgiven. And we think, what a fool. But yet our churches are filled with people that, that absolutely refuse to forgive, even though they've been forgiven of their sins by Jesus. Well, you just don't understand. He hurt me in a way or she hurt me in a way that, no, listen, the end days come on. One of the signs of the times is going to be unforgiveness goes on slanderous. Do you drag somebody? Is there people, come on, dragging people's names through the mud today? Are there people canceling other people? Is this happening today? You better believe it. Yeah. Are you with me? Somebody say amen just from now and then, you know, all right. Without self-control, boy, this is a big one. The biggest problem, one of the biggest problems in our world today is no self-control. It's interesting. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, your self-control will continue to increase. Why? Because it's a fruit that the Spirit of God is living inside of you. What we have today is people saying, man, it's just so hard. You see, I've got this addiction and, and I can't quite shake it. But yet you continue to put yourself in places maybe that you ought not to put yourself, which makes it a lot more conducive and easy to feed that addiction. Why? Because we don't have self-control. Brutal, not lovers of the good. They're treacherous, they're rash, they're conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And then it says, have nothing to do with such people. It's why we talked about the Holy Ghost last week, and we're going to continue, come on, to talk more about the Holy Spirit, because that's what we need. We need the power of God at work in our churches. Some of you, you know, your biggest, the only thing that's missing in your family is the Holy Ghost, the power of God at work in your family. These mountainous problems that you're facing that, that like literally that just, it seems like there's no possible solution to to the restoration of the, of the family, 
Come on, if you would commit to God and ask for the Holy Ghost to, to baptize you, to come and to fill you up and give you wisdom that comes from above and, and, and whatnot, then what you would see as a byproduct of that are those things that absolutely look like impossibilities be restored, right? You, you could apply the same thing to your health. You could apply the same thing to your finances. You know what I mean? Some people struggle financially all the time. There's, there's, a, there's always, a, there's always a, a shortcoming in their finances. And, and I'm just saying that the Holy Ghost and wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit, they, 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 don't, they know what God wants them to do, but maybe it comes back to the self-control or the, or the overindulgence uh, of just, you know what I mean? I want what I want and I want it when I want it and, and I don't have enough money to trust God with my finances. And so these people continue to remain in the same space, in the same place. You're saved. You're going to heaven there's no doubt about it your blood bought born again Christian but you're going to heaven always needing a blessing instead of being a blessing that's free that wasn't even in my notes and so why do we need God's spirit and power because it changes these things a lot of people that are smarter than I they they actually define the world that we live in and the stage that we live in right now, they define it as late dec decadence, late decadence, which is just a moral breakdown, a moral decay, and it's in the late stages, late decadence. This is where there's a lot of deconstruction taking place in the family. How many of you know that there's been an all-out assault to redefine what the family is for a long period of time? There's a deconstruction of marriage. I don't care what anybody else calls a marriage. My Bible calls a marriage between one man and one woman. Right? You can call, you can, you know, there's going to be all kinds of different things that rise up. And the problem is, is once again, we could go back to the previous scripture. People People are treating God's word as if it's second, like we've, like, this is what we think. We think we've become smarter. And let me just ask you, do you think our world, as we've gotten so smart, as we've got chat GPT and Googles and, and, and whatever else, do you think we've really gotten smarter? Is our world in a better place? Have we gotten better? And so what we're doing is, is we're trying to serve the Lord, but yet, but yet stay, come on, culturally sound. It's like, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's so, you know, a hundred years ago that marriage is between one man and one woman. There's gender confusion. Do you think God is, is confused about what gender you are? He's the one that created you. There's sexual immorality. Of course, that's been around for a long time. Loss of respect for life. We've got people in cities and not just cities. Now it's even small towns that are, that are just killing people for no reason. And then on top of that, yeah, I'm going to hit it. We're going to talk about abortion. We have people in our world today that are fighting for the rights to kill the unborn. They're literally fighting for the rights to kill the unborn. And this has been an attack. If you'll read your Bible, you'll see that, wow, this happened here in history. And 
This, like, this isn't the first time that we've ever dealt with this stuff. This stuff continues to go around and around. Why? Because the devil is a fool and he doesn't have any new tricks. I want you to realize that the devil is behind these things. God is not. And if, you don't, if you're a Bible-believing person, this will work. If you're not, I'll pray for your soul that, 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 that God will show himself to you. And you can have, come on, a transformation, a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't believe that, then none of what I'm saying, you're just going to think I'm the fool. And that's okay. I'll be a fool for Jesus. But I'm telling you, if you believe that the word of God is true, you can go back historically. Wow, that's crazy. They tried to kill babies here. Wow, that's crazy. They tried to kill babies here. Wow, that's crazy. They tried to kill babies here. Wow, that's crazy. And so historically, this has been happening. Not once did God say this is, this is his plan. And, and was he for it? It's not God's plan. It breaks God's heart. When we kill the innocent, the unborn children, it's wrong. And if we've done it, that's a, that, you know what I'm saying? That's a whole other issue. There's grace and mercy and forgiveness and God will meet you right where you're at and he'll forgive you of your sins. Just like he'll forgive you of, of, of any other sin. He loves you. He absolutely loves you and he will set you free. Come on from that. But for us to fight and be a part of, for Christians to be fighting for the, for the ability to do this in the future? Come on, really? We should have nothing to do with that side of the tracks. Sheikh Rashid, the founder of Dubai, he said, my goodness, my goodness. Have I been up here that long? Hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create difficult times. And I just want you to know this. Then he said, it. he said, raising boys, you have to raise warriors and not parasites. If you have a young boy in your house, you need to teach him how to love God, love people, but be a warrior and not be a parasite. And then he goes on, added to this historically, talking about all the great empires, the Persians, the Trojans, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans, and later years, the British, they rose and they fell. They rose to high heights and they fell within a period of 240 years. And I want to just show you right now, America, these great United States of America, 247 years old. It's interesting, all other great empires rose to greatness and fell within 240 years. We would be the first to rebound from this. And the only way that we're going to rebound from it is if we yield to God. There's been no other, there's, there, there's no other, there's no other uh, group on the planet that has decayed as much as we have that's ever rebounded from it. There's some things that, that are unique today. Oh, oh, can I tell you this? That these, these other empires were not conquered by another, another nation or another group. They all failed and decayed internally because of moral decisions. Unique today. So Revelation chapter 11, it talks about the end times. And I want us to realize that we are the first generation, come on, to make this possible 
The Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 11, two witnesses will be killed and everybody in the world in the world will be able to watch it as it's happening. And that's, that can only be done, like we're the first generation that that could ever be done in because of worldwide satellite technology. You can jump online right now and you could, you could look at the Eiffel Tower if you wanted to. So there's cameras, everything is connected. We are the first generation where Revelation chapter 11 could be fulfilled. Up until this generation, everybody thought, man, that's crazy. There's no possible way that could ever happen. It can happen today. Also worldwide financial technology. The Antichrist is going to control commerce. He's going to put a, a chip in the forehead or a chip in the hand. He's going to, he's going to control commerce 50 years ago. We would have thought that is absolutely the craziest thing. There's no way that that can happen. Do you know? And this was almost close to 10 years ago, probably seven years ago. There's a company in Wisconsin that demanded all of their employees get a chip put in their hands so that they could open doors and, and things as such. And so what was just foolish and crazy even 50 years ago is now, come on, we have the technology in place to make that happen. See, you can see this, that the pregnancy or the end of days, you can see that you're in your, you, you know, it's, it's, it's getting close. We'll just say the last trimester, right? It's getting close to his return. We don't know the day or the hour, but you can see the possibilities come on on the screen. At the same time that wickedness is increasing, the expansion of the gospel is spreading. Matthew 24, 14 says this, and this is the gospel of the kingdom. It will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And I want you to realize that this, this word nations is the word ethnos, and it's really people groups. Like right now, there's 193 different nations on the planet, but there are 7,000, over 7,000 different people groups. And so what this is saying is that whenever this ethnos is reached, then Jesus will return. And I want you to know that we're getting close. We're getting close. Never been a generation to, to see the gospel spread like ours. We've got a modern day harvest. And if you don't believe me, look at these numbers. In 1970, there were 1.2 billion Christians alive. In 2020, there were 2.6 billion Christians alive. This is why missions are so important. This is why I'm so grateful for the mission that Sean Rogers led out east to help rebuild, come on, devastation and communities. And, and, and we've continued to do that. This is why the mission that Katrina uh, 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 has, has just led to Africa is so important and come back and did the work there. And so I'm just saying that we need to continue to be a mission minded church so that we can do our part in it. And guess what? Whenever the gospel goes out, there is, there is a, there's a decline in extreme poverty. Look at this number, 1990, 52% of the entire world were classified in extreme poverty. Fast forward to 2017, 17% or 16% of the entire world was in extreme poverty. 
Fast forward to 2022, 9.2% of the world is, is considered in extreme poverty. And can I tell you this? That the 9.2% that's still in extreme poverty today, it's because the gospel's not strong in that area. Bibles are not there. Churches are not there. And missionaries are not there. And so there's a direct connection to where the gospel goes. Come on, poverty decreases. Come on, people, people their, their, their way of living increases. Right? Things get better, not only, not only spiritually, but also physically, mentally, and emotionally. There's another sign, and this is a bonus, Matthew, I don't got a lot of time on it. Matthew chapter uh, 24 and 15, it says this. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. And so I want you to know this, that this is a phrase that was coined by the prophet Daniel all the way back in the book of Daniel, the abomination that causes desolation. And what this is, it's the ultimate insult. See, there's going to be an antichrist that rises up and he's going to broker a peace deal in the last days. And this is going to sound wonderful and it's going to be good for everybody. And, and he's going to be the one that, that even makes a way for the Jewish people to rebuild their temple. And then at, at, the, at the last hours that the temple is being rebuilt, come on, he's going to change his mind on the matter. And he's going to erect a statue, come on, in the temple, which is the ultimate insult. And when you see the abomination that causes desolation, the Bible says it's time to flee. Daniel is filled, come on, with 12 chapters. Six of the chapters are historical books. And the last six of the chapters are prophetic books. They call it the 77s or 490 years the prophet Daniel, come on, was able to see into, into the future. It already says I'm done, but I'm not done. 490 years he's able to see in the future. And I want you to know this, that he saw everything. And 483 of these years have been fulfilled already. He saw Alexander the Great. He saw nations against nations. The seven years that have not been yet fulfilled are the seven years of tribulation. So I want to read about the seven years of tribulation right now. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, it says this. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. At that time, your people whose names are written in the book. See, he sees the Daniel sees the Lamb's book of life and he sees your name and my name and everybody else's name that's written in and through a prophecy written in this book. This is why what we talked about last week was so important, the Holy Ghost. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. But he says the names, the people whose names are written in the book, those people are going to be delivered at this time. This is key for those of you, come on, that, that, are, that are in Christ Jesus. And then it says multitudes during this same time, multitudes who sleep in the dust. He's talking about dead folks. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will wake up, 
Some to everlasting life, those that were in Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you, you're not going to have an option if you die to receive Jesus Christ at this time. If you die without Christ, you're going to rise, come on to everlasting shame and contempt, not everlasting life. And it says those who are wise, it might be a group of us, who knows? But those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal it up until the, seal the book up until the time of the end. And then he gives two more signs, which I want to hit with you real quick. Many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. So there's going to be an increase in travel. Right now, we, this, this could not have been fulfilled a hundred years ago. Because a hundred years ago, towns were 20 miles apart, 30 miles apart. Have you ever wondered why that Paul is just right there and Burley is just right there and, and, and Oakley is just right there and Declo is right there? Because it's a day's travel to the next town. Now I could get on a plane today and I could be halfway across the, the world in 24 hours. So the same day that took me... You know, a whole day to travel 20 miles. Now I can go on the other side of the world and be there the same day. Right? And so there's going to be an increase in travel. That's prophetic. This is that time. We're living in that, in that day. And so knowledge will also increase. My goodness. We have more knowledge at our fingertips. In fact, I don't think we were created to be able to deal with so much knowledge. This is why we have so much and there's more depression, more anxiety. Come on, more suicide, more thoughts of, of man, maybe, maybe it's just time to check out. And I feel like we are overloaded with so much knowledge today, and there's so much pressure that comes with what it is that you know. There's a lot of different reasons, but I know that that plays into it. So up to 200 years ago, from the beginning of time up to 200 years ago, knowledge had doubled one time. Back in, I think, 2013, they did a study. Knowledge was doubling every 13 months. So from the beginning of time to 200 years ago, it doubled one time. 2013, it was doubling <clears throat> every 13 months. Now, how many of you know that knowledge is doubling in mere days? And so this is prophetic. So we live in a unique generation. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 18 or 13, or 8 through 13, it says this. I heard what he said, but I didn't understand what he meant. This is a good scripture for all husbands. We can say this to our wives. I heard what you said, but I just didn't understand what you meant. So I asked, how long, or how will all of this finally end, my Lord? But he said, go now, Daniel, for what I've spoken is kept secret until the time of the end. Many will be purified and cleansed and refined by these troubles, these trials. But the wicked will continue in their wickedness and none of them will understand. Only those who are wise will know what it means. See, and I'm just saying this, that even today we see people that know better. They've, they've experienced God in an amazing way. They know better, but yet they literally say to heck with God, they're going to continue in their wickedness. 
but the wise will not. And that's, that's probably a whole nother sermon, but, um, but it goes, so, so I'm going to close with this. I ain't got no more time. I want to close. Can I close? Yeah, I can close. All right. Um, skip, skip. All right. So how do you ensure that you're a part of the wise? If these major signs are an increase of travel in an increase uh, or I'm sorry, an increase of wickedness and an increase of the gospel. Second Peter chapter three and verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. How many of you know that when Jesus does come, it's going to surprise many, but it's not going to surprise you. Why? Because you're going to be paying attention. Come on to the, to the signs. And so, so it's going to surprise a lot of people. God's not giving you these signs so that you can live scared. He wants you to live prepared. Goes on to say the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed, what kind of people ought you be? And then this gives the answer. You need to live holy as you look forward to the day of God and speed up its coming. So number one, we always have to choose God and not culture. See, morals are slipping faster than they've ever slipped. And you need to make a choice today. Are you going to do what you desire? Are you going to fulfill your, your fleshly desires? Are you going to buy into what it is that culture is saying is right? Or are you going to stand up for truth and righteousness? Are you going to choose God or are you going to choose culture? See, as Grace Church, we're going to stand on God's truth, but we're always going to do it in love. And you can look at the prophet Daniel. This is a guy that stood for truth and righteousness, but yet still somehow was influential. He was still a leader. When everybody else was doing this, he was doing that. And he was still used in his generation to be a leader. You got to make up your mind. How are you going to live? Holy and godly, in my opinion, it's the only way. There's only one way to live. Matthew 24 and 37. As it was in the days of Noah, so it'll be in the, in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the, the flood, people were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving themselves to marriage. They were just living carefree, doing what it is that they wanted. Up to the day that Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other one will be left. Two women will be grinding with the handmill. One will be taken and the other left. How many of you know that Daniel saw the rapture there? Or spoken of in the book of Matthew. But Therefore, keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known the time of night that the thief was going to come, he would have kept watch and he would have been ready. He wouldn't have allowed his house to be broken into. So you must be ready because the son of man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. The last thing I want to share with you, the second thing that you can do is you can speed up Christ's return. Because once again, and John shared this in our pre-service uh, meeting today, the only reason why Jesus hasn't returned is because there are more people that need to be saved. I believe Jesus is just like ready. Can I go now? Can I go now? And the father's like, no, no, there's one more. There's one more. There's another. And this is a wonderful thing. 
But this is the deal is that means that you and I need to be a part of the purpose and plan by which we were called to spread the gospel, to go into all the world and teach people, to love people, to serve people and point people to Jesus. In fact, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, this is at the ascension. Jesus is going to be with the Father. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They're still thinking he's going to do this incredible thing in the earth. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. And then he shifts gears on him. And just like I talked about last week, the Holy Ghost, he shifts gears on what they were asking and he, and he points them back to the Holy Spirit. He says, but you, listen, let's talk about what's important. You're gonna receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. And so listen, he's saying, listen, right now you're asking these questions out of a carnal spirit, but I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. Go to Jerusalem, wait for the promise because you're gonna need that spirit to reach your family. See, some of you, once again, you know, you might be here and your family might just kind of be messed up and, and, and going through some hard times. And I'm just telling you, the best thing that you can do is surrender to the Lord. And then you begin, come on, to pursue God. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to do a work. And the very thing that you're desiring with your family is going to happen naturally because of the work of the Holy Ghost. So your family is going to be changed. This community is going to be changed. Come on, when you're filled with the Spirit. Why? Because you're a witness to Jesus every single place that you go. And that's, my friend, what it is that the world needs. That's, my friend, what the world needs. And so don't get so caught up. Is he coming soon? Is he gonna, is he gonna come back? It's just like the people, he said, listen, go to Jerusalem, go wait for the promise that's poured out. And all of those 500 people, they're watching Jesus go away. Oh, guess what? The same place that he left is gonna be the same place that he returns on the Mount of Olives. He's going up and then, and then the angel of the Lord is standing there and saying, hey, listen, what are you doing here? Didn't he say to go? Didn't he say to go and wait for the promise? That's what happens too is, is our churches, come on, we've been mandated, filled with people that are mandated, come on, to share and spread the gospel, being led by the Holy Spirit and, and with the sword of the Spirit in their hand, ready to share the word, which is true, that is able to change a, a life and to shift a direction. And we're getting caught up just wondering about things that rob us from what we're being called to do. That is to love people and share the gospel and to go on missions trips and to share the gospel. To be bold in our family gathering. Some of you getting ready to visit with family. Some of those families have nothing to do with Jesus. How about you be the introduction? How about you say, hey, listen, I know we never do this, but can I pray for the meal? Make sure you spend time thinking about what you're going to pray about. But this is the deal is, is you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're here, the best thing that you can do if you don't know if you're saved is just say, here I am, Lord. 
Here I am, Lord. I need you. I want a relationship with you. And then get baptized and begin to pray that God fill you with this Holy Ghost and then be about the work of the Lord. Start serving. Amen. But it all begins with knowing that you're saved. How do you know that you're saved? You believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is who he and the Bible and the Father says he is. He's the only begotten of the Father. Cain lived a sinless life, laid down his life on a cross to wash away your sins if you would receive him. So you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you stop living for yourself and you start living for him. And it's the best life that you've ever lived, I promise you that. You're not, you're not going backwards in any area. You're only going forward. So I pray that you make that decision today. Let's worship the Lord. Listen, guys, we're not going to talk about the offering after this. We're going to worship. Matt's going to pray, and we're going to leave, but you know how to give. God bless you, and go strong in the Lord today. Amen. And don't forget the reason for this incredible season. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.